You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. This episode is brought to you by Summer School Electronics. Summer School Electronics is a pedal company from Syracuse, New York, making incredible stuff. There are a few summer school devices knocking around the shred shed, and I can tell you from personal experience, they sound great, they hold up, and Mark is a super cool dude. The first pedal I saw from them was the Science Fair, which is a parallel classic drive and distortion. And now they've released a new parallel concept called the Class Reunion. The Class Reunion takes a 90s muff-style circuit and combines it with their Trash Panda, which is like a soft-clipping, high-gain, amp-in-a-box-style circuit. And it is a super, super versatile combination with all kinds of clipping options, parallel blending. It's really, really rad, a really cool idea, and I think you should check it out. So go over to summerschoolelectronics.com. That's summerschoolelectronics.com and check them out today. This episode of the Tone Mob podcast is brought to you by the fine folks over at Stringjoy yet again. That's right, they are sponsoring this episode because they rock, and their strings rock, and it's pretty much all I play these days. So, if you want a custom set of strings that is specific to your guitar, your playing style, your tuning, hit up Stringjoy. They will get you dialed in with exactly the gauges that you need, and you'll rock harder than ever before. And isn't that what we're all about? Rocking? Don't we rock? That's what we do here at Tone Mob? Yes, we do, of course. So hit up Stringjoy, go to stringjoy.com, get yourself a hand-wound set of strings made here in the U.S., and, you know, treat yourself. You deserve it. Your tone deserves it. Hello, everyone, and welcome back or welcome to, if this is your first time around, uh, to the Tone Mob podcast. I'm your host, Blake Wyland, and with me today I have, again, Mr. Andrew Jackson of now, formerly Stone Picks, now Stone Guitars. How are you doing, sir? And I would and I would like to say, if this is your first time visiting the Tone Mob podcast, uh, go back and listen to the past episodes, not only with me, but all the other great people who've been on it. Uh, it's an honor to be a second time uh, participant of the show, and I am an avid listener of uh, all of the podcasts. So they're really great, informative tools, man. Hey, Blake, well, what's up, man? Hey, how you doing? Thank you. Uh, Not to call you an informative tool or anything. <laughs> well, it's better than an uninformative tool. <laughs> I've been we have a couple of those running for president. So. <laughs> oh, geez. Don't let's Ooh, not go there. ouch. You're not One kidding. minute in, and he's already going political. Jeez. Well, I, I, no. I have a lot to say, and, I, and none of it's good. <laughs> so, about either party. Um, so, there we go. <laughs> I'm a complete anarchist. No. Uh, yeah, let's not go there. Uh, <laughs> One minute, 34 seconds, and the wheels have fallen off. Ladies and gentlemen, new world record for the Tone Mob podcast. It might be. It might be the fastest the wheels have ever spun out of control. I don't know that for a fact, but uh, I'm sure somebody can can find an episode where, you know, like, first thing, like, ten seconds in, it's just gone. I'm sure that has happened before. Um, if I ever do a third show, I'm just going to go straight up Stephen Wright and be as weird as I can in, like, second 32. And I'm <laughs> like, man, we got 50 more minutes left. How am I going to do this? <laughs> 
So now here's a question I haven't actually asked anyone that's been on the show before, but since I know you've listened to the majority of them, um, do you have a particular favorite episode? I know I have some favorites, but do you have any favorites? I do, and I actually think our favorite may be the same. Michael Adams Pusheen on Instagram, mm-hmm. his Star when he starts going into like uh, video games and Star Wars, that one to me, like I laughed the loudest. And how I usually listen to the Tone Mob, so I have a forty-five minute drive from my house to my day job. Mm-hmm. Perfect set of time to listen to the Tone Mob podcast. They usually run between that and fifty minutes. So mm-hmm. um, Atlanta traffic is terrible. So has I, I turned it on right when I left home, and right when I got to work was about when it ended. And I got to tell you, that was one of the most enjoyable drives through downtown Atlanta that I have ever had. <laughs> yeah, that guy, uh, every time he comes on, it's like, this is going to be... I don't even care what we talk about. It's going to be good. <laughs> we don't even have to talk about gear, man. Just what's going on, dude. What, like, just, just start riffing, dude. Just, you know. Oh, yeah. If I wasn't already doing, like, two podcasts, then I, I told him... Actually, this is funny that we're talking about uh mike uh because the episode that'll be coming out um just before this one is actually uh him interviewing me um so and it goes (laughs) we went so long i think it's like a 90 minute episode or something it's ridiculous um and i'll have to say too my second favorite would have to go to ryan from yellow cake oh um yeah hearing him go into his his um his like personality like he'll do christopher walken and arnold schwarzenegger i had the pleasure of meeting with him in atlanta and he out christopher walken to me (laughs) it's funny now that now i think about it that you mentioned those two as being some of your favorites because those are both uh um two of the rare breed that is the repeat customer or repeat guest rather so you're in you're in amongst them now so just separate from their Instagram accounts who they post really good, high-quality content, they're also high-quality people. I mean, both of them are just salt-of-the-earth people. So to me, like, it's a no-brainer, those two. Like, they made the show funny, and they're just good people. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it kind of goes without saying, really. Whereas me, I'm kind of a jerk. So like, oh, no if, kidding, if the man. show's funny, it's like 50-50. <laughs> Yeah, I don't. You're, you're so mean to me. I can't believe I had you back on. <laughs> Make me cry. A the constant bit. brow beating. <laughs> um, but yeah, so let's talk about. You've had a part of the reason I wanted to get you back on here was not just to ramble. Uh, I mean, we're going to do that too, of course. But oh, sure. Um, you've had a lot of changes in your company over the last what year or so? No, it's yeah, not been that it's long. It's been since. just it's been just over a year since I started. Okay. Okay. So yeah, in yeah. the last 6 months then you've had a, some dramatic changes in the in kind of like some comings and goings of products and new things and then you rebranded and why don't you kind of like fill everyone so if, if this is your first time listening to Andrew uh, definitely go back and listen to his first episode where it would be Andrew Jackson, Jackson with Stone Picks. And that'll inform you on the story up to that point. And then after the Stone Picks was uh, changed to Stone Guitars, why don't you kind of like rap about that for a little bit and how that process worked and what the mindset was? So has the, the quality of the Stone Picks uh, continued? I had other people asking me, well, dude, hey, can you make picks out of bone or horn or wood or acrylic. And I thought to myself, 
hey, why, why don't I do that? And I lost sight of the true vision of what I was doing and what I was doing well, which was making stone guitar picks. So essentially what I did was I tried to water down my own brand by doing acrylic picks, buffalo horn, carbon fiber, guitar straps, like just, I really went overboard and it took a very dear friend of mine who saw what I was doing to myself and he kind of gave me a verbal slap to the face. He was like, dude, what are you doing? You make stone guitar picks. What's up with it? Like 10,000 people make acrylic guitar picks. 10,000 people make wood guitar picks. Like stop it. You know, just do the, the stone and what you do. And so that's when I kind of had that moment of clarity and I went back and I was like, okay, I got to get rid of all this. Go right back to the stone and then do that well. Yeah, and I actually had that conversation unbeknownst to you and was was preparing to have that conversation with you when I saw you were already discontinuing the rest of the stuff. I was like, oh, he's read my mind. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing, too. Like, you don't really know it until it's already too late. Um, once I looked back at my website, which is, of course, stoneguitars.com, and I was like, I was seeing all these things that aren't stone. Now, the guitars also aren't stone, too, but it's the name brand. Mm. Uh, I was seeing, like, you know, guitar straps, slides. You know, I, I was trying to do too much from what the true vision of what I want to do is. Mm-hmm. I mean, and and <clears throat> probably what you were best known in and, and basically did the best um, also, I would assume. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I mean. And so we're currently in the middle of a two-week all night bender. We're, we're getting ready to release a new set of picks. Hopefully they'll be out in about two weeks. So what I do is I work my day job. I come home and I rest for about a half hour. Then I go to the warehouse and work for another six hours, uh, grinding away, making uh, stone picks, come home and sleep for about three hours and do that all over again. So I'm four days into a two week bender doing that. Now that's an interesting, uh, interesting thing too, that I did not know. Um, Last time when you were on the show, you uh, you had a guy doing your picks, but I was that you have started doing oh, it yourself. Okay. <clears throat> so there are three of us. Um, I am the face, and I am the main guy who you speak to. So how we do it is this: we will get slabs of stone. I send them off to my guy who planes them into sheets. Ah. And so me and another guy will sit there with the sheets of stone and shape them and form them into the picks. So I don't take the rough stone and, and do all the work. I do basically the the stone making. I don't do the Right, the right. The actual, the final that. steps in the process, essentially. Yes, yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's that's even changed. So you've had a lot of changes. That was a different than when you did the run of picks for me even so that's uh that's quite fascinating i didn't know you had switched into yes. that role and it, it it cuts down on time by it really makes it faster i would say by about 40 percent. so it's easier to do it this way and it's a shame it took nine months to figure that out <laughs> <laughs> right but that's that's cool and yeah. uh yeah. the picks are still great uh i've you know i have all of them pretty much, and uh, use them pretty much every day. Uh, they're, they're, as I've told other people, they're my, they're my go-tos. That's what I, what I use. And you've actually, something I did not expect, um, I've actually started using the J3 
I probably never would have ordered a mm-hmm. J3. I've used that style of pick mm-hmm. before and was like, nah, this is too small. It's not for me. Um, but you sent me a couple of them along with the normal ones that I usually use. And I've become like a, I'm starting to become a, a, a convert over to the J3. Um, which now, the J3, uh, for those listening, um, it's my take on the Jazz 3. It's not a true Jazz 3 in the fact that it doesn't have that very sharp, defined point. Um, the only reason that we don't do that is because with our method of shaping stone, it's almost impossible to get that Jazz 3 point without chipping the stone. So really, the J3 is nothing more than a smaller, stubby standard pick. Mm-hmm. So I would say that will works best if you really want to choke up on the pick and get some, you know, be closer to the strings and have the feel to it. Um, but yeah, no, now that I know that uh, with this next batch, I'll send you a couple of the J3s as well. Yeah. And that's, well, unbeknownst to me, uh, when I started looking at it, that's kind of how I play even with a standard pick is uh, fairly choked up okay. on the string uh, or on the pick rather. And so the J3, like, I was like, well, let me give one of these a try. And uh, I kind of purposely put away in my little box of picks I have, I put all my regular ones away and just left the J3s kind of sitting on the amps, you know. For- one thing that Michael Adams and I both do, which is the same, is he uses the broad side of the pick. Mm-hmm. Um, and the whole time I've been playing guitar, that's kind of how I always grip the pick. So that's kind of cool that we both share that same pick grip that is interesting we use the the flat side rather than the the pointed side i use it the flat side for um like weird effects i i mainly mm-hmm. use the point but i'll i'll flip it around and like kind of almost it doesn't sound like this but the motion is kind of like a bow on a string um yeah it, you know like like a violin how it goes from you know horizontally across the strings or perpendicular rather I kind of do the same thing with a pick with like a lot of fuzz and delay and it, it doesn't sound like a bow. It sounds like something else. I don't know what it sounds like, but it's that same kind of sliding across the string motion with a, uh, with a pick. And obviously there's not as much surface area, so it's really slow, but that's, that's something I experiment with sometimes. And I'm finding myself get weirder with how I'm actually picking and using a combination of picks, picking and fingers these days, uh, which, I don't know why I haven't experimented with this in the past, but uh, anyway, I'm getting weird with my picking style, I guess. <laughs> I've seen people use the uh, fingers with the pick. I can't do that to save my life. But then again, however, it doesn't work so well with punk. You know, you just have to bang on the strings. So. Yeah, and don't get me wrong. I'm not doing like the really cool uh, Chet Atkins thing or anything like that. Uh this is like super basic. <laughs> it's like easy as it gets. Is it is it pumpkin spice basic or is it like no, no. <laughs> almost? <laughs> I'm gonna leave that joke alone. Never mind. Jeez, I, I'm a, I'm going to abandon that line of logic. <laughs> I know where you're going with this. Ugg boots, Michael Kors bag. Yes. Is is it Ugg boot basic or is it pumpkin spice latte basic? Like how basic are we talking? Super basic. Super basic. Awesome. Yep. Um. <laughs> So let's talk about your guitars a little bit. Um, we've talked about the picks. That was the, you know, is, is and was what you're really known for. Um, mm-hmm. but you also have guitars out. And I know that today was a big day in the, uh, guitar, stone guitar, uh, drop because you got them all right. Well, two more are coming to me. So I have now in my possession, um, 
six of them. The other two will be delivered on Saturday. Um, and they're coming from Antigua, Wisconsin. I found a very good, after a long and arduous search, I finally found a great builder to build my vision. Um, Zane Guitars in Antigua, Wisconsin. You guys can check them out. Uh, they build for people like Carrie Underwood, for Keith Urban, for a lot of the people in the Christian music scene. And their guitars are legit. So the Stone EAV is... First off, it's an acronym for the neighborhood that I live in. It's the East Atlanta Village. Mm-hmm. I named it after my neighborhood. Um, it is a hodgepodge or a mashup of the Jazzmaster and the SG. So what I wanted to do is I wanted to, and what I want to do with future models, is take two very well-known guitars that pair well together or may pair well together and merge them. So the EAV, it's an older body with nitro finish. Um, basically, it's a Jazzmaster with that SG horn. Um, has a 12-inch radius mo- a modern C-neck, 25.5-inch uh, scale. Um, but some of the great add-ons to it are uh, Benson Pickups from Benson Pickups in Lockport, New York. And um, the sound you hear is the Gabriel Tenorio strings that come with it. Very nice. So... What I wanted to do was a kind of a collective of guitar builders. Um, I wanted to showcase a lot of really great small businesses that are great at what they do and to kind of do a collaborative effort to make a guitar. And to this day, I don't know too many guitar builders that do it like that. They all do everything themselves or for the most part do it themselves. Right, right, right. Yeah, I, there's... <clears throat> There's not many. Um, it seems to be a little more common in the uh, in the effects world um, of people mm. kind of doing things together. In fact, uh, I was reading in Gearphoria, which is a, a great uh, online gear magazine. If anybody's reading that, uh, or not reading that, rather, check that out. It's really cool. And also ran by a Blake. So, I mean, you know it's going to be good. Uh, <laughs> With a name like Blake, you know it's going to be good. That's right. That's right. Blake, Blake Wright. Yes. He... Uh, He's uh, the guy and the head honcho over there. Anyway, uh, Ryan Ratajski from Fuzz Rocious um, actually just wrote a big article for them about collaboration in the pedal industry. And um, it's really cool because it, it really hit home with me because I've got several projects in the works and, and people have seen the Model 1. Um, I don't know how to build anything. I just have a lot of crazy ideas. And so I try to find the people who can make those things into realities. Um, so the collaborative aspect that you're doing really hits home with me because that's the only way I can uh, kind of create anything is by having other people's help. And to speak on the Model 1, um, I haven't had a chance to play it yet, but from an aesthetic standpoint, you hit the nail on the head. Not only does that pedal look expensive, but it... it as I was saying earlier, I mean, it kind of looks like you're putting a tuxedo on your pedal board. It just looks like you should have one. <laughs> right. That Model 1, like, until I get to play it and hear it for sure, but I, I know it, it sounds as great as it looks, that pedal, you nailed the look of that pedal. Well, well thank you. And there again, collaboration. <clears throat> I had, you know, I had a graphics guy. Uh, his name's Nick. He helped me out with that because I was beating my head against the wall. Um, I had a design that's okay. Uh, but I was like, it's not, it's not there. And I didn't want to release anything that, that was just okay. I wanted it to be something I was really proud of. 
So um, I got with another guy. His name's Nick, uh, and he runs a uh, he runs a graphics company called Equal Equal Seven Creative. Is that right? Yeah, Equal Seven Creative here in Portland, and he's done work for uh, some other builders and did bang up jobs. And I was like, oh, I bet he can do a bang up job for me. So he took my <laughs> basic concept and like gave it that extra that it needed. And it was, he's, you know, we went back and forth with a few different things, but once he nailed it, it was like, nope, that's it. That's what we're doing. That is the jam. So, um, I think the black and white version of the model one looks just like the Dan Electro 59. Um, in that it's very, Strip down, it's very basic, but you don't have to do a lot to make it look good. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say if you had the Model 1 with the Dan Electro 59, the black and white, mm-hmm. that would that would be a sexy combination. That would just be like, oh, that would just be disgusting. That would be awesome. <laughs> so which which version, This is I find this curious, uh, uh, which version did you prefer, the black and white or the black and gold? So to me... Um, I like both, but I think my eye naturally went to the black and white one. And, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Th- that's my that was my take too. But um, I I mean they're all gone right now. But the <laughs> the kudos to you. <laughs> well, kudos to everyone that bought one. I mean you guys are awesome. Um, but the I liked the black and white just a little bit better. But the the mm-hmm. black and gold actually was the one that was gone first and went and went out a little bit faster and then um that's the one i keep getting emails about like hey do you have any more black and golds uh, i'm like no i don't have any more of either of them <laughs> but like that's the you one that should have jumped on them when they were around uh yeah i mean i do plan on releasing some more um down the down the road um but i don't know that i I mean, if everyone keeps harassing me about it, I, I would probably do some more black and golds. But I, I kind of wanted to do, you know, each edition be its own, its own look. Um, you know, if we're going to have a run and make, let's make it special and make it extra cool. So let's have it, have it look its own, you know, have a look all its own instead of redoing the prior runs. I mean, I might, I'm not totally against the idea. I just would, that was never the original concept. <clears throat> If I could, if I could make an, a, a suggestion, I would definitely suggest against not doing any more black and golds because, uh, let's say the next run you do is brown and white or green and white. Mm-hmm. It makes each line exclusive to itself. Right. So the people who get in on the black and gold, they're like, man, I got a diamond in the rough. Like I got one of the first. So yeah, that's true. Yeah. Kind of to add to what, you know, I do with stone, I only ever do, I will only ever do 10 guitars of any body shape. And then that body shape is retired. I'm not doing any more of the EAVs once these go. I'll be moving on to the next guitar. So doing a small run of anything really adds to the exclusivity of it. That's true. And it it does, I have pedals like that. Like I have a couple Mm -hmm. like Spaceman pedals that like he's never going to do that again. Like... That's kind of cool, like to know that, like, you, makes even though you, you know, makes you feel like a special little unicorn or something. Like, ha, I got it, you know. <laughs> uh, and the first person who got the black and gold number one, do you, do you number yours on the inside? I do. do you yes. Write, like little. Oh, whoever got number one, watch out for that bad boy on eBay. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. Um, I don't know. 
who I, I, I could pull up the list and, and look, but I, I have the names of all the original owners uh, who they got shipped to. So I'll have to look and see. And if, if I see you flipping that thing, I'm going to be heartbroken. No. Uh, <laughs> it's yours. You can do whatever you want with it. Um, sure. I do know of one that got flipped on Reverb. Um, I don't know if it got flipped as any made a profit, but I know he had it posted up for the original asking price. I'm just really curious if he got it or not. <laughs> I'm pretty sure somebody scooped that one up. It, it definitely sold. I'm just curious what it sold for. Oh, right. Yeah, because he, yeah, he had it posted at the, you know, the new price, basically, like what they were new. I'm curious if he got full price. I just want to know. I want to know what the market will bear on tone mob goods. <laughs> so I want to give a special shout out, if I could, to a man named Justin Setters. He's also up there in Washington, uh, kind of the Pacific Northwest area mm-hmm. where you are. He actually got Stone EAV number one. Got number one. Wow. He got the first guitar off the line. So yeah. So I'd, I'd like to thank him and and really thank him for taking a chance and believing in me. But you know, also he has the first one that'll ever be made. Right. The first and only number one EAV ever to exist. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's pretty cool. That is it. So for for future runs of of guitars, like you're planning on combining, basically combining two classics together, like every time. Are you planning on playing with um, like scale lengths and things, or you really? I know you like that Fender scale. I'm just curious if you're going to try the Gibson one or something in between, or go crazy and go baritone, yeah, I think or the what? Next one. I don't know if we're going to do a baritone. I know definitely for the next one, probably not. I know the 24 and three quarter scale is something that we're looking at. Um, matter of fact, that may actually be the next one is a 24 and three quarters. Um, be, ah, but then that wouldn't lend itself to the two bodies we're doing. I don't know, but yeah, no, I definitely have the, the Les Paul scale length in mind. Uh, but it may just fluctuate between the two, or we may try to find an odd scale length that is known, but not a lot of people do it. Mm-hmm. But for baritone, I just don't know that many people who would jump on a baritone guitar. I think that's that's a little bit too niche, if you will. Right, right. It yeah, it could be. Um, I I ask for selfish reasons because I've been thinking more and more <laughs> that I want a baritone. Um, I have a, I technically have a baritone. I have a, uh, my, uh, Roni Paramore is a baritone seven string, technically. But I have it tuned to where it's, it's standard with a drop B. Um, I want, I just want a straight baritone six string to try out. Um, I, I just really, I've gotten really used to this tuning and I don't know if I want to drop it down even further. I could easily. It'll, it'll tolerate it and I have heavy enough strings, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I've really been wanting a baritone six string lately. So. Roni makes some sexy guitars, man. I hate, you know, I don't drop that word lightly. He makes some dead sexy guitars. I've been following him on Instagram and checking out what he does. He does some really good work. They they play really nice too. His fretwork. <laughs> I I bet they do. Oh man. Uh, I mean, Paul's been on the show. Hey, speaking of twofers, Paul's and Paul's the only other twofer, I think. Um, he's been on twice too. Oh. Um, his, I have a, I have a Paramore and I have a Oceana and, uh, they're fantastic. Um, the Oceana is, is so beautiful. <laughs> 
I think the Oceana is the one you post the most, I believe. Yeah, I so I've seen the, par- the the ocean. Yeah, yeah, I think the Oceana I've seen that uh, most. Yeah, it's the it's that Lake Placid blue. Um, oh yeah. yeah, with the gold everything. Um, nah, I'm gonna go home and play it. Uh, <laughs> uh, I also got uh, an amp. I got an amp today in that I got to play this morning. Um, it is. We're just coming here to talk about everyone else's cool gear. Uh, <laughs> sure, why not? We've already talked about my stuff. Past, yeah, um, it's a, a, a company out of Nashville called Third Power Amps. Um, yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh man, this thing is something else. So I'm more of a I'm more of a American uh, amp guy for the most part, mm-hmm. as far as my like clean tone preferences and how I structure like. My rigs are usually centered around a Fender-ish t- sort of tone. Mm-hmm. Um, this is actually AC voiced. Um, it is like the the best. It's like I used to think ah, AC is not really for me. I I guess I was wrong because this thing sounds absolutely incredible. It's got the prettiest clean tone. Um, it uh, I only got to play with it for just a little bit this morning. I ran to the post office, picked it up, ran back home. Like, okay, I'm going to plug it in for just like a couple minutes to make sure it works and play it after work. And I was like, 30 minutes later, like, oh boy, I gotta, I gotta go. <laughs> so I sponsor a band out of Nashville called the Van Leers. Mm-hmm. And Trey Bentley is the guitarist and one of the singers for the Van Leers. And he has played a stone EAV through his third power amp. Mm. And those third power amps, they're just so warm and so like, oh, they're, they're beautiful. I love them. Yeah, uh, Jamie does, does some really, really nice work. It's, it's a, it's something else. And it's so light. It's like, it's like a 30 pound, like, combo. And it's just like, grab it, go. Like, it's so light. I, I don't know if that's what it actually weighs, but it's, it's super light. Um, I, I highly suggest, let, let me make a third power commercial here real quick. <laughs> I highly suggest, uh, people check out some of the videos they have on, like, mostly on Facebook. I think they have some on YouTube, but. The clips will probably sell you, even just the iPhone clips. So there yeah. you go. And I've heard them in person, and they are definitely what they advertise. They are legitimate, awesome amps. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we've, I already know because we talked about this earlier, that you can't really tease too much about what you're thinking for the next stone model. But, man, I'm so mm-hmm. curious. Like, we get any hints at all on that, or are you playing this one super close to the vest? I'll play it close to the vest, but what I can tell you um, is I grew up, and I still am to this day, a Johnny Ramone fan. Mm-hmm. So we're going to take, mm-hmm. we're going to do a mashup with Johnny Ramone's Mosrite. Mm-hmm. Now, I know brands like Eastwood have exclusive rights to the Mosrite, so it won't be true full-on Mosrite, but we're going to take another guitar that looks kind of similar to that. Mm-hmm. And make it our own. I think you're speaking my language there. Uh, yeah. I, We're not going to do the zero fret. We're not going to do that. Mm-hmm. But everything else that will be has punk, but keep it stone exclusive as we can. Mm, that sounds like right up my alley. I like the sound of that a lot. It sounds oh, cool. Yeah. Um, we didn't get too, too into the pickup, or not the pickup, excuse me, the, the guitars. Um, I, I know what the specs are, but for the listeners, like, 
What's the EAV, and is, are there some stone standard features that you kind of want to like that the guitars are always going to have? So the guitars are always going to have uh, the Benson pickups. Mm -hmm. um, I've kind of formed a very good relationship with John Benson. Uh, I have two guitars with his pickups in them that are just mine. And a good friend of mine, Will Kinnamore, who lives up in uh, North Georgia, mm -hmm. he turned me on to them. So I heard his Telecaster with the Benson pickups in it, and it just sounded amazing. So I was like, dude, what kind of pickups do you have in there? It doesn't sound like a Telecaster. Mm -hmm. It does, but it doesn't. And he goes, yeah, man, I found these guys on Instagram. It's Benson. So I met him and, you know, we talked. And so I'm going to be almost 100% exclusive with Benson pickups and the stone model guitars. Mm -hmm. um, Gabriel Tenorio is another guy that I really believe in what he does, not only as a company, but as a person. So each guitar will have a custom set of Gabriel Tenorio strings to it. Mm -hmm. Um, I always want to go with alder body and I want to do the nitro finish on them because I like the look of relic and the thin one and a half coat of nitro. It will relic with the player. So it won't, you know, relic in a week, but you know, in about a year and a half, two years, three years, you can start seeing that wear. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of, we've talked about this before, just, just the two of us, but like there there's a lot of hubbub around, you know, poly versus nitro and blah, blah, blah. It's kind of a horse that's been beaten to death 400 times. Um, but I don't have like, I, the only reason I prefer nitro on a guitar is the reason that it is because it wears, it actually wears. So yeah. the reason, the reason I like it is because it's actually kind of an inferior finish. <laughs> <laughs> exactly yeah and that's the way like old guitars just came mm -hmm. like i think poly came around within the past 25 maybe uh, no, even i don't know years, i think they started like, doing some poly in the set i don't even know well well t actually some of the rumor is that the and maybe this is fact i might be speaking out of turn here that the early fenders were actually nitro on the outside but they were dipped in poly before the nitro went on uh, on some huh. some models. I should talk to a vintage guy. I should talk to Michael and ask him that question. He yeah. probably would be able to tell me. <laughs> Michael could clear that up pretty quickly. Yeah. yeah. No, so so nitro to me like you said it's I don't think necessarily it's an inferior finish, but I think it lends itself to showing the character of the guitar and the player mm -hmm. better. For sure. Yeah, I mean, that was so probably nitro a, until, yeah, poor yeah. choice of words, but like you wouldn't want to put it on a car. <laughs> no, 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 you wouldn't. No. Um, and I even get a little, uh, hesitant with putting it on a guitar stand, like putting the guitar, like I'll put a t-shirt over where the guitar rests. Right. Just so it, you know, cause you know, I know some of those like rubber guitar stands that actually eats the nitro. So uh, anytime I take a picture of one, I put a, an old t-shirt underneath it so it won't, uh, make contact. It, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of concerned about that too. And it really, it it changes based on like what stands you're using um mm -hmm. like i have some like most of my guitars are hanging in in like hercules stands and things um and they they seem to be fine but my dad uh has a sj200 that's nitro obviously and it it has very visible where his um he now has a rag in there that he that he keeps for this reason but like for a while he didn't he was ha just hanging it on the wall and it discolored around the neck or around the by the nut on the back of the neck. You can totally tell. It didn't ruin it, but it's like that's kind of brown now. 
Like, yeah. glad, glad it didn't melt the and finish. It, and it kind of gives it a little bit of character, you know, if it, I mean, it tells the story of the guitar. So, I mean, to that end, it's just, it's not a battle scar, but it's kind of a, its own unique signature. Oh, so. yeah. I mean, there's nothing better than a, like a well-checked vintage guitar. Oh, yeah. It's so cool. Um, or any instrument, really. I have an old piano that, uh, as near as I can tell, is built around the the late teens, early 20s. Uh, it's been in my family mm-hmm. for a long time. And, like, I had a lady come out and, and tune it and kind of spruce it up just a little bit because it was kind of falling out of tune. Um, and she was like, oh, let me... Uh, let me get you a quote to replace some of the, the ivories on here. Um, and I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. That would totally defeat the... Per- yeah, no, keep it all correct. Mm-hmm. Like some of them were, you know, some of them are chipped and kind of missing, but not so bad that it's like going to hurt you to play it. It's just like not as new and pretty. I was like, no, we're not going to change mm-hmm. the keys on that. Like, no, stop talking it's nonsense. Look at this thing. It's all. That's a hundred year old piano, lady. What are you talking about? Yeah. No, this, it's going to stay the way it is. Right. And it's all, and it's, it was nitro, obviously, obviously. So the whole thing is completely checked. Like it, yeah. it's like, this is, this is great. Um, um, funny thing about that piano. I don't remember if we've talked about this before or if I've talked about it on the podcast or not. I probably did at some point. Um, but, um, my band's album cover. The way we got that, uh, I think you've seen it. It's the two guys like sure. fighting. It's the the boxing ring. Yeah. yeah. So the way we got that was, um, I like got my friends uh, to help me move it, uh, much to their uh, disappointment. And and uh, <laughs> yeah, it was a, it was a nightmare. It was a bad situation. Um, but they apparently um, are are the best people in the world because they agreed to it. Uh, and they, we were trying to get that thing into a place where it simply was not going to go. We were trying to get it around this corner and we were turning it on its side and like all kinds of stuff. And it's super heavy. Um, in amongst the struggles after we aborted that mission, a guy found what he thought was a wood chip on the ground. And so he, he picked it up and just set it on the table. And when we got all done trying to wrangle that monster, um, I was like, what is that? And I picked it up off the table, and it was what I thought was a negative, but it's not a negative. It was actually an old film slide. And that is what was on the slide. It felt... Oh, that's a cool... Yeah, it fell out of the piano. Like, how did that get in there? I don't know. How long has it been in there? Probably since the piano was built. Uh, sure. It's just... An, it was an old film slide, and and we were trying to figure out what we were going to use for the album cover, and I had an aha moment, and that was a... That was where that came from. Oh, sure. If it's been in there, like, yeah, that that that, that is the album right mm-hmm. there. I mean, we didn't use that piano on anything, but it was just kind of a cool, like, <laughs> I'm just going to put that on. The, that's it. That's what we're going to do. Anyway, that was a random side story. Get the that... piano up to a fuzz pedal and let it rip, man. <laughs> Ooh. That would just be the weirdest sound ever. A hundred-year-old piano hooked up to a big moth. There you go. I think we can make that happen. We'll just mic it up. Sure. And then run it through there yeah. and see what it sounds like. Why not? <laughs> now you got me curious. This is going to get dangerous. That's what I, I'm, I'm an idea man. That's what I do. <laughs> you, you and I both. You and I both. Um, one thing we didn't talk about that you did to bring it back to you, who is the guest on the show instead of me talking about myself. <laughs> um, you did some pedals. 
Also, we kind of glazed over that fact. What uh, what, what so, were yeah, they? So the, fir- the, the first pedal that I did uh, was an idea that me and Cody from Westminster Effects had. It was called the Fuzz of the Dead. And that was my first foray into pedals. That was kind of the beginning of, hey, man, you're doing too much. Uh, and I may still do pedals in the future, but it's not high on the idea list. Mm-hmm. So uh, Cody did my pedals for me. He did 10 of them, and they turned out really well. Uh, it was a very glitchy, fuzz, not an 8-bit pedal, but it was kind of 8-bit slash fuzz. So it had an element of that in it. And <clears throat> very good pedal. I loved it to death. Um, it, that one went really fast. Like within two weeks, I was sold out. Mm-hmm. And I was like, hey, man, I, I got some, I got something going here. So a couple of months down the line, me and Eric Stewart um, of the Orphan Brigade, who also does full Nelson electronics, uh, he did my seesaw pedal, which by the name you can tell, it was a clone, um, not a clone, but a, a, a use the building prototype of the Roland Bebop. Oh, that's right. I built right. upon that. Yeah. yeah. So that was that was a Roland Bebop um, build on. And that one, it did well, but it it took some time. So it, that one finally did well. Pedals, for stone guitars, I don't think it's going to be a very common thing. I know guitars and guitar picks are always going to be the two things that I do. Right, right. Yeah. The next pedal I do, I, if, if I ever do another one, which I hope I will, is probably going to be like a some form of a distortion pedal, which I know there's two million of them out there. So why not put one more? Yeah. What's one but, more? At this um, point? I'm thinking, yeah, what's one mm-hmm. more? Yeah. Two, 2001. Um, I'm probably going to do some form of modified distortion pedal next. So what you, I know you like to play with a lot of dirt. Uh, as I do. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. what do you have any theories about where you would want to slant it sound-wise? I mean, is it, would you think kind of a rat thing, or like go crazy with like an HM2 type of thing, or where where would you be trying to slot? You think? So my musical stylings kind of pair in the mid '90s: um, Dinosaur Jr., Nirvana, Soundgarden, and. I would probably guesstimate and say I haven't really put much thought into it. I would probably take the rat and do like adding some diodes to it or adding some stuff to it or whatever mm-hmm. we can do, not to just put my name on a rat pedal. Right. Um, but I, I'd probably use the rat as a platform. Yeah, that is a heavy heavy roots uh, in that music is is the rat. Well, the rat's sure. really all over this place yeah. at this point, but a lot of that was was yeah. rat based. Um, yeah, and. I I have several rat-based distortions and I like them all. I, but it, I've just it's kind of clicking in my brain. It's kind of weird. I don't own an actual rat, which seems like an at- <laughs> it seems like an atrocity. I don't understand that. Of course, I don't own a tube. One streamer. of my first pedals in like yeah, one of my first pedals in '95 was a rat, and I really liked it. And I think I've lost it like in one of the ten thousand moves that I've had over the time. But yeah, I remember that rat very fondly. That that was the first proper distortion that I had. Nice. Nice. Might be time for us to both to reacquire a rat, I think. I know, man, I know. Or, Jeez. I once we get off, I'm probably going on reverb and eBay and seeing if I can find one for a pretty good price. <laughs> Um, yeah, let me think. There was another question I didn't ask you. Oh, yeah, I've noticed this, uh, sort of. Um, you don't seem, and maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, maybe this is a gross generalization. You don't seem to be a big, uh, 
trem guy or uh, vibrato rather on on guitars. Do you? No, sir. I take them all. You off. take them all off. No, none of that wobbliness yes. for you. No, uh, because I don't know how to use it. Um, I'm not a surf player. I'm not a heavy soloist. So doing a solo and then ending the note on some vibrato, it's not my thing. And the way that I play, the way me, the uh, uh, the little tremolo bar gets in the way. Mm-hmm. So I have a Stratocaster that I just took the bar off. Um, yeah, it's it's not. It doesn't lend itself to what I like to hear and what I like to play. Right. Right. So is that going to trans- translate over into the stone guitars, you think? Are you, will you ever put a vibrato on one, or are you going to pretty much hardtail everything? Uh, I don't want to hardtail everything. I really like the mastery of vibrato bridge. Mm-hmm. And with the jazz master, the obvious choice would be, why didn't you put it on that one? <laughs> <laughs> but um, <laughs> I was hinting at that. Here I, am I was thinking, hinting that way. <laughs> yeah, thinking after it happened. Um so I wanted the hardtail to be another part of the SG um, design element that, that goes with it. Um, you know, probably on the L5P, that could be the, the second guitar that comes out. Um, that would be probably on the ideal board. Mm. But to me, it's just not something that I think about. So, you know, you do what you know, but you also have to do what people will like. And people do like the trim. People like the vibrato to it. So, yeah, that, that will be something that will happen. If not on the next one, then definitely on a guitar to come. Nice, nice. Uh, I've just, I have actually been, as far as guitars that I own, I pretty much only own hardtails except for my Oceana. And, yeah. and that's the mastery setup also, which is super, super nice. Um, I, uh, I never really considered myself much of a, like, I didn't need a vibrato or a whammy bar or whatever you want to call it. I, I'm, I just, you know, beat my guitar into submission. I don't need one of those. Um, but the more I play with that Oceana, the more I think I'm, I'm missing out. And I always have liked, uh, playing, uh, Leon, uh, my buddy Leon from Pelican. I like playing his, uh, Gretsch with a Bigsby. I love Bigsby's. I'm thinking. Well, Bigsby's are awesome. I, the design element and how, like the, the utility of them. Mm-hmm. I love a Bigsby. Yes. Yeah. So I'm, I'm like, kicking myself. I'm like, I think I've been missing the train for a long time by only playing hardtails. Like, I need to I need to start. I think my next guitar probably needs to have a Bigsby on it. And it probably should be something bigger and hollow body, too. Maybe it just needs to be a Gretsch. I don't know. A Bigsby looks really good on a dot or a casino. Mm-hmm. I, it, that's just the finishing piece to, to that guitar. Like, it just looks so good with that guitar. Oh, yeah. For sure. Yeah. I do. I do want a casino. I wanna. I wanna get the hollow body with the uh, with the P nineties going. That sounds like a something that would be right up my alley. Yeah. I think the first uh, the first time I really wanted a casino was probably the the same as a lot of people. But that the the uh, watching Gary Clark Jr. makes me just oh. really want a casino. <laughs> I wouldn't. I like. I would not know an eighth of what he does, but just to have that set up, just to pretend to be able to do what he does, <laughs> that would be fantastic. Sit there in my room like I did when I was 14 in front of the mirror, like playing his records and not even having the guitar plugged in, but just like mimicking it. That's right. Oh, man. They're just pretending. <laughs> 36-year-old man sitting here in his, like, in his PJs in his bedroom, like, you know, <laughs> I have a wife, dang it. Like she's going to walk in and see me acting like a retard. <laughs> yeah. 
Which she sees. I was going to say, my wife sees that constantly, so it doesn't really matter. Sure. Like, I walk in the door and it's like, oh, that guy's dumb. There he is. (laughs) (laughs) We don't grow up, we just get older. Pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah. So we are getting fairly close to the end, but we still got a few minutes. There's got to be some stuff coming up that you want to plug or things you want to talk about or anywhere you want to send people to, so they can check out what you do. So I do have two plugs. So like I said uh, at the beginning, I'm in the two-week process of getting the new batch of stone guitar picks or stone picks uh, finished up. We're going to be doing turkonite, which is a synthetic turquoise. Only because regular Kingsman turquoise is so expensive to buy in bulk. So this is turkonite. I'm not advertising it as turquoise, mm-hmm. but it'll look like it. And we're doing brecciated jasper, which looks like dried blood on a rock. Looks really cool. Nice. That's going to be called like the the stone killer or something like that. And uh, we also have a yellow carnelian coming out. So probably the stone sunrise or something or the... Well, I'll figure a name out for mm-hmm. it. But um, yeah, the new batch of picks will be dropping in about two weeks. Um, but I do want to drop this. So today is the first day of the Stone Guitars launch. Mm-hmm. If anybody is so inclined, I will offer this week only um, artist pricing on a Stone Guitar. If anybody wants a Stone Guitar, my Instagram page is S-T-O-H-N, Stone Guitars, as you've read in the little bio underneath this podcast, mm-hmm. uh, shoot me an email. I'll, uh, the first couple of people who jump in on a guitar, I'll give them artist pricing on it. All right, man. That's great. Yeah. Just to get the name out there, you know, because I am a new brand. Not a lot of people, I, you know, trying to get brand recognition out there. And so, yeah, first couple of people who uh, hit me up wanting a, a Stone EAV, we'll, we'll get you going. Sweet, sweet. I'll uh, also put the links uh, to the, your website in the show notes, so everybody can just click over there real easily and uh, and uh, check out all the stuff. So I just want to—I want to—I just had this one last question, and uh, and I sure. and it's really—it's all just for me. Uh, no, uh, the answer is pistachios. Oh, oh, I never would have thought that. That's a. Oh no! <laughs> this took a turn. I didn't. I didn't know. <laughs> oh dear! Now I need to hear the question. Oh dear. <laughs> um. So I, 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 I don't use this pick as often anymore because mm-hmm. I can tell by the nature of it, uh, what I like about it is that it's, it's one of the few that you've done that is rough because you can't really polish this rock. It was the, the, mm-hmm. the gold top one, I think is what you called it. Um, I call it goldie, goldie yep. but I, it's funny yep. that I actually have a specific pick that is like, this is my favorite pick. And I will only use it when I am recording or really feeling like I want the most, the, the finest of tone. Um, and what I like about it, as I've told people before, and this does kind of happen with some of your other stones too, as you play them, but this one comes pre-done. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's slightly rough. And so mm-hmm. you get a little bit of a string grab action and it gives all these really interesting, uh, different harmonics. And I believe I talked about that on, your first episode too. My question is, is the Goldie ever going to return? The Goldie could return. Um, definitely not with the next batch just because we're already working on it and I didn't get any more gold sandstone. Mm -hmm. Um, I could most certainly uh, do a return. I have a pick now that I kind of took off. I still have a few in reserves. I'll send to you. It's the Unikite Hmm. or the Stone Cosmos pick. Uh, green and red. It looks kind of Christmassy a little bit. 
Um, that one has a little bit of grit to it. On the uh, picking end, it's not perfectly smooth like my Jaspers. Mm -hmm. um, I think I have two of those left. I'll send them to you to see what you think about. Interesting. Oh, I would... That'd... But it's not as gritty as the Goldie, but it's definitely not as rounded and polished as most of the picks that I do. Mm -hmm. And that might be something worth... Yeah, worth... Okay, I'll keep on... Yeah, yeah th that might be something worth mentioning is not all of the picks are exactly the same uh, as far as like... Oh, yes, and I'll... I'll... Yeah. Uh, just as like as far as different stones produce different results. So maybe if you didn't like one, there's a good chance you might like another. Uh, so agate and jasper both are very smoothed and very polished stones. When you get to sandstone, you get to unikite, you get God, what's another one that I've done that's been kind of grippy? The, uh, it, it, yeah, it's too late to try to, you know, uh, think about it now. <laughs> yeah. So each stone really does kind of give a different feeling mm -hmm. to the, the strings. It gives it a tactile response. Um, but yeah, um, I'll look into that possibly for the next run of those mm. picks. I'll see if I can acquire some gold sandstone, and when I do, I'll send you about four or five. Oh boy. Love that. Yeah, because I'm, and that's where I was going is like, like because it's rough and because of the effect it produces, I can tell that eventually that pick's gonna get all misshapen and weird. Just because, <laughs> and because of the way I play too. Like, it's a little bit softer and it just, like the the things I like about it are the very things that will be the destruction of it <laughs> someday, and I don't want it. I don't want that to happen. Uh, so it's yeah. saved for special occasions, a special occasion pick. So I don't. There you go. I didn't know. I didn't know that could exist, but apparently it does. So well, yeah, different picks. You know, even for different sounds. You know, I have probably an in excess of over two hundred guitar picks just in my personal collection, mm -hmm. and you know, I'll go to. A coin, or I'll go to, um, not tortoise shell, but I'll go to turtle shell, mm -hmm. um, and I'll even go to like bone, right? You know, dinosaur bone, even. So yeah, it, it, each pick gives you a different sound. Nice, nice. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's about to about the uh, a good point to wrap up on a zinni. Except, oh, well, I know we're getting close to time. We're about overtime, but that's okay. There's a question that I don't. I don't remember if I asked you on the first episode or not, but it yeah. it bears asking. Um, Boxers. No. Everyone thinks that's what I'm going to go for. <laughs> Everyone thinks that's the dire direction I'm headed. No. What kind of pizza do you like? We didn't ask that the first time around. What kind of pizza do you like? So I'm a pizza purist. Mm -hmm. uh, pepperoni and mushroom. Um, I don't believe that fruit has any place on pizza. I agree. So I'm not a Hawaiian guy. Mm -hmm. Yep, there's no room for uh, fruit on pizza, but I'm a ranch dipper. So once oh. I eat the, the the meat and the toppings, once I get the crust, I dip the crust in ranch and then eat that. Yeah, I gotta, I'm gotta. i going to have to do it. Well, we're going to have to shut this podcast down. I can't be associating with a ranch dipper. It's just... Oh, no. <laughs> no. I can't, Darn it. I can't abide by the ranch on my pizza. I sat through 60 minutes to only be shut down at the end. Yeah, we can't, we can't. I won't even know if I can post this now. This is a... Ranch is the universal solvent of food. It goes with pretty much anything. I guarantee you, I defy you, other than sweets and confections, name me one thing ranch doesn't go with. Uh, Blake. Oh, yeah. ouch. Yeah, I'm not a ranch. I'm unfriending you on, on Facebook and Instagram <laughs> after we hang up. This air, this this episode will never air. It'll, never, it'll just hang in limbo, <laughs> in limbo forever. It'll go to the annals of the Tone Mob podcast mm -hmm. uh, cutting room floor. Yep. It's, uh, this is gone. This is gone. <laughs> 
All right, Andrew. Well, I think we'll better wrap this up then since we can't seem to come to an agreement on ranch dressing. (laughs) (laughs) I love everything about you, but the fact that you don't eat ranch, I hate you. Okay, well... No, not really. Now now we got to go into more weird things in my personality. See, I don't really care for ranch dressing, right, in in and of itself. Yes. But I do like ranch-flavored things, which makes no sense. Ranch-flavored Doritos? Yeah, exactly. Okay, yeah, we can live with All that. All right, okay. okay. I love Cool Ranch Doritos, but for some reason, the dressing, it just grosses me out. I don't know what it is. Finding common ground through adversity. <laughs> and Doritos. <laughs> Doritos brought us together, yes. <laughs> right on. That should be the show opener, by the way. Doritos, Doritos brought us Doritos together. Doritos brought us together. I think, yeah, yes. we could we could do that. Yes. All right. <laughs> well, Blake, man, it has been fun talking to you, brother. It's always a blast. And, um, dude, I love what you do and keep showcasing, you know, uh, talent in the music game. And you're, you're one of the, the few that, that really honestly take an in-depth look beyond just what the person does. I love it to death, man. Right on. Well, thank you. I'm glad you, I'm glad you enjoy it. And I thoroughly enjoy doing it. So, uh, I will continue to plug on. And I can't wait to listen to my voice very awkwardly in the car on my ride to work this week. It's always so. the weirdest thing listening to yourself. It really, trust me. It is. I, on it? editing, yeah. I dread editing day so much. Um, yeah. But I guess we better wrap up. We're, we're, we're right there. So for Andrew, this is Blake. And as always, folks, good luck and good tones. And we're back. I'm really sorry for the uh, delay between these episodes. That was a... Uh, not what I like to do, but things have just been crazy around here, especially with, uh, as you've seen, the big giveaway happening. Um, and if this is your first time listening to the show because of the giveaway, well, thank you. Um, welcome, and I hope you like all this nerdery that uh, that happens. Um, for the uh, legacy listeners, I'm really sorry. I know that was a big gap. Uh, I tried to not do that, but things are getting crazy. There's some more pedal projects in the works. There's just all kinds of things going on. I'm really excited to share them with you really soon. But in the meantime, if uh, that's not enough to quench your gear nerd thirst, as you know, there's the Facebook group, there's Instagram, and there's almost 50 pack episodes. If if you haven't listened to them all, now's a good time. But we should be back on our regular schedule. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. So thank you. And have a good week. One last thing before we totally sign off here. I just want to remind you that if you do any shopping at Stringjoy, that's Stringjoy Guitar Strings made in Nashville, that will help me out as well. As I've said for years, I'm heavily involved in that company, and I really do think they're making the best products on the market. So if you would like to try custom strings, go to ToneMob.com Stringjoy and check them out today. I seriously, seriously, seriously love what the team down there is doing. I help them out with all kinds of things, and by you supporting them, you are also supporting me as well. And hey, you need some strings so why not get some custom strings just for your guitar and playing style? Again, the link for that is ToneMob.com stringjoy, 
and that will take you right to their website and you can do all your shopping through there and that will help everyone involved out. So thank you very much. Talk to you next time. We are brought to you by the wonderful folks at Gun Street Wiring Shop. Yes, Gun Street Wiring Shop. I've talked about them before. I used to say based out of Bend, Oregon, but guess what? Sean moved to my neck of the woods. Sean's in Portland. Sean is awesome and has helped me with a bunch of stuff lately. And if you have wiring needs for your guitar, he can help you too. If you want to get weird with it, he can get weird. If you just need to spruce things up a little bit, there's your guy. He takes all the guesswork out of doing your guitar wiring, and he makes it simple, and his customer service is top-notch, and I can't say enough good things about Gunstreet as a company. I really respect Sean and what he's all about, and the product is top-notch. I've got three different guitars that now have Gunstreet harnesses in them, and I could not be happier. So go to GunstreetWiringShop.com and check them out.